Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, the Cretan himself. Indeed. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to get right to it, John. Okay. Uh, you, you shot a staple <laughs> through your thumb, like through the thumb bone. Yeah. Really? Yeah, so first off, uh, that's a quality staple gun you got there. I mean, that's got some serious power that's to it. industrial I, Ironically, the, it broke the next day and I had to buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of staple gun was this? It was a Black & Decker Power Shot. Yeah, and you were shooting, it appeared some long staples. You're shooting like three-quarter inch or, or inches inch, or something. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they look like uh, pretty long and uh, beefy staples. Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, right but, through uh, your thumb. Yeah, it was, I guess it is hard for people to imagine how I could have done that. I mean, yes. certainly my wife never could believe it. Um, right. No, from the from the pictures, <laughs> I'm thinking the only possible way is to do it intentionally. Are you hurting well, yourself intentionally, John? <laughs> no. Has it gotten to that point? <laughs> no, I was I was supporting the what I thought was the back of the staple gun with my left hand and my left left thumb. And uh-huh. then peering under the staple gun, uh-huh. lining up what I thought was the front of it over the wire that I was trying to staple down. Uh-huh. And, you know, make sure I perfectly straddled it, didn't punch a hole through that. Well, uh-huh. I did not, because that particular model of staple gun is rather symmetrical, uh-huh. um, I didn't think about the fact that it was backwards. I was concentrating on alignment, and I squeezed, and ka-chink, and it's like, what does shit? <laughs> oh, dang it. I mean, that was my words, dude. Dang it. Huh. I've stapled my thumb. And uh, and then, you know, you think, it's like, well, should I get off the ladder and pull this out? Or should I just finish up? Yeah, yeah. It's like how did yeah. I do? And and I, I went and grabbed a pair of pliers and gave it a little tug. And it's like, no, I I think I'll go to urgent care and get them to numb it up. You know, but clean it out too. You know, that be on mm-hmm. the safe side. Get it clean. Right, right. And uh, kind of looking at it and realized that uh, you know nobody was home but me. And it's like, oh, I want to drive myself there can't really grip the steering wheel with it and uh fortunately my neighbor was walking by so he did me a favor and uh offered to pull it out for me which i said no no let's go to just go to urgent care we'll do that <laughs> he offered again it's like no, no we'll just go there it won't take long and uh <laughs> i tell you uh getting it out was a lot harder than getting it in yeah 
I can imagine, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, if I had been there, John, you would have let me yank that thing out. You, you, you have that level of trust in me. Where can I see these pictures aforementioned? <laughs> I might just have it here on my phone. Oh, good. Let's see. Here. Uh, oh, John, John, John. How? I, tell you. I amaze myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Were you just in total shock at first? It was just like, oh, there's a nail through my thumb. Yeah, well, it was like rats. Crap. <laughs> Yeah. Like I need to buy a new nail gun now. Yeah. Well, it was, it was you know the, once it was in there, it was just uncomfortable. I mean, it was like having rubber band around your thumb, oh. kind of thing. You know, not not painful, just uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, the adrenaline helps a lot with that. You're just yeah, like oh, this is and, weird. You know. Yeah. But you know, you know the. But anyway, um, once we got to the hospital. They tried to, well, they said, oh, yeah, we got a staple gun or a staple remover that we use. Take that out. No problem. It's like, okay, good. Well, They have a tool they, specifically for that. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> what it's actually something. intended for is surgical staples. Oh, okay. But <laughs> and, like, it'll work with a nail. Yeah. Well, we're working with a regular thin, you know, hardware staple. Mm-hmm. Um, it bent the, they tried to slip it under and then three-point bend it to pull it, you know, grab it and pull it out. Well, it just ended up bending the middle of the staple deep into my thumb, (laughs) which now that really hurt. I mean, I'm practicing my Lamaze techniques, trying to, it's like, (laughs) you know, know, can somebody give me a shot? And, uh, should have brought a growler of beer. Yeah. And (laughs) Christ, the, uh, so then they say, like, well, okay, we'll go get some, go, go, go get some numbing, just a minute. And they leave. And it's like, can I have that, that staple remover plier? <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, sure, here. And so I'm working there, my own thumb. Everybody else is left. You're working. Room. Everyone leaves and you're yeah. just sitting there. And I'm trying to straighten out. that stupid staple out because this really hurts, you know? Oh. It's like somebody taking a screwdriver and just pressing it into your thumb. And, uh, so I work at it a little bit, and then the staple breaks in half in the middle where it was kind of crimped, um, which helped. Now half of the pressure was off the thumb. Mm. So there was like one piece that went kind of through the top of the thumb and was kind of, you know, just through flesh. Um, the other one was the one that was like through the middle of my thumb. I'm almost the exact middle and through the bone. And... Uh, I did consider doing the manly thing and pulling out the one piece by myself, but the doctor came back in and it's like, well, I'll let him do it. You know, I mean, he's the one getting paid for this. Mm. And, uh, so he grabbed it and yanked the, well, they did numb it up. And of course that doesn't feel good either. But after they numbed it, he grabbed the small piece, yanked that out. And that was like, you know, a bee sting kind of level of pain, you know, then, he grabbed the the middle piece or the one that was through the, through the thumb bone, and that was more like a root canal. That Oof. generated like six cuss words in rapid succession. I mean, it's just like, oh damn crap shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it really it kind of kind of the pain that drops you through the floor. Uh-huh. But uh, then it was out and everything was fine. Um, I made sure they cleaned it out well, and uh, then. Yeah, a week later, you'd never know what happened. <laughs> Except for the gash. 
in your See, thumb. what I'm surprised uh, no, about is up. you didn't you didn't go right to uh, right to the alcohol. See, that's what I do when I get <laughs> injured like that. The first thing I do have a couple of shots, you know, maybe toss back a couple of Vicodin. Then yeah. it's like okay. Now I'm ready to yank that thing out myself. <laughs> you know? And, you know, you just put your thumb in the vice, you get the pliers, you just like yeah. one swift move and you're done. You know, I, I had it all set up. I had the star sand sitting there. I had I had some pliers. Yeah. He was ready, man. And, uh, but, you know, I thought... You were just missing the alcohol and the opioids. I yeah, yeah. You know who would probably actually make a better... Nail puller, John Blick. John Blickman. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly go. what I was thinking. Uh, John Blickman. You know, Blickman Engineering, always innovating your brew day. I think he could be innovating your uh, medical uh, staple remover as well. <laughs> I mean, you know, if it was up to Blickman, I and I would guess that Blickman is probably uh, you know shot a few staples in himself. I mean, he you probably could this, ease the insertion. Oh, yeah. right? yeah, mm-hmm. You you look at the uh, the state of his hands, and yeah. <laughs> clearly they're in the way of a lot of tools. Yes, I mean he's missing right. parts. He's got holes where there shouldn't be any. You know, those are experienced. I, I think he's got fingers that split into like two. I mean, it's just you mm-hmm. know very freakish. Yeah, uh, I tell you, uh, he's been sponsoring this show, so <clears throat> it makes his freakish hands all right. Uh, <laughs> He's been sponsoring this show since we started. So uh, I think the, the least you can do is give them a little bit of support. Check out their website, BlickmanEngineering.com. Maybe uh, email John Blickman at feedback at uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell them how much you appreciate uh, their supporting the show, even though uh, his hands are all messed up and freakish. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. There right. you go. Yeah. All right, John. Uh <clears throat> Just kind of yank this off, just just like a staple. Uh, right. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, y- you know in the show about uh, malt varieties or you yeah. know the cultivars, and a lot of times people get confused when I say uh, you know use uh, an English pale ale malt or you know Marisotter. We talk about something like that, a specific cultivar. Uh, a lot of times people confuse uh, the malt. Uh, cultivar, the grain, the barley cultivar with the type of malting process, like making a pale ale malt. You make a pale ale malt out of, uh, you know, any any, any grain, right? Any, right. any barley, um, and that, but the the type of grain that went into it, the cultivar, the, the Marisotter, Golden Promise, uh, uh, right. Glen Eagle, um, you know, a lot of these different malts. Uh, you know, people talk about them, but I'm not sure they really understand the the, the impact they have on uh, flavor. Right. And uh, we were talking about the uh, the two uh, studies that were published in the journal of the ASBC uh, about this specific thing: how barley variety uh, impacts flavor. And um, I was talking to my friend Travis, and he was like, "You know, doesn't everybody know this? Doesn't everybody understand that the, <laughs> the barley variety actually has an impact on flavor?" I'm going, "Well, I guess not." Um, so I thought that that would be a great topic for a show today and, uh, you know, something that 
people don't i think some people realize and some people don't and uh um, right. it's one of those yeah. things that's just kind of in the background and people talk like they do understand it and i think uh so it might be a, a good subject for a show coming from um like on one side of the bar perspective and talking to people mm-hmm. people have this obsession with hops mm-hmm. that's right. not necessarily i mean no one yeah no one thinks about malt everyone's like oh this hops great this hop and that's right, all right. consumers will pretty much talk about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no one yeah no one mentions well and in a way this is like um just talking about hops in general and, and going yeah these these hops were were killed they were dried hops they were pellet hops they were whole hops and ignoring that it was Citra or Columbus mm-hmm. or you know Galaxy or whatever, that would be totally ignored. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's in the, essence what what is, we're talking about oh, with the yeah. malt. Yeah. So the the types of malt, the 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 Marisot or the Glen Eagle, the Golden mm-hmm. Promise, the Harrington and Claudius. Harrington, right? Exactly. That's kind of like the Citra, Columbus, uh, Galaxy, uh, Warrior, whatever. So, yeah, good point on the hops. Um, let's do this. Let's uh, take a short break, and when we come back, we'll dive right into um, barley variety and how it affects the flavor of beer right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman boiler maker brew kettles, a high-temperature march pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The BrewEasy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman kettle cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey guys, what'll it be? I'm not sure. What do you recommend? A lot of people seem to like the Hefeweizen. Is that a German Hefeweizen or more of an American-style wheat beer? I'm not sure, but I can give you a taste. Okay, great. Great. The Cicerone Certification Program certifies and educates beer professionals in order to elevate the beer experience for consumers. Unfortunately, not every bar is staffed with certified beer servers who can guide their customers through a beer list. Here you go, guys. Let me know what you think of the Hefeweizen. Oh, yeah. 
That's definitely more of an American meat. But I can hardly tell because this beer just smells like sour butter. I wonder how long it's been since they cleaned the draft line. Yeah, and look at the bubbles on the side of the glass. It's filthy. Somebody should tell these guys about the Cicerone program. For sure. How about we head somewhere else for another beer? Your server should give beer the same respect you do. Request quality. The Cicerone certification program offers four levels of beer certification, in-person classes, and course books for beer professionals. Check them out at Cicerone.org. The Cicerone Certification Program. We know beer. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash-and-boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperatures Temperature rest mashing is easy to do, all for under 300 bucks. They also feature the Mark II Work Pump, a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much, as well as exclusive Brewer's Edge regulators and quality Keg King kegs and disconnects. Check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, about uh, barley varieties and how that impacts uh, beer flavor. And, you know, John, is this a. Uh, a major factor, a minor factor. How big a factor is this in the in the flavor of beer? Well, that's that's the real question, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I think everyone has known for years that barley variety counts, you know, to some degree for beer flavor. Um, for example, you know, we talked about Maris Otter malt and how how everyone looks for Maris Otter pale ale malt to you know really nail that. Uh, British, truly malty, pale ale flavor. Well, um, so just recently in in the Journal of the ASBC, that's the American Society of Brewing Chemists, um, a group of of people, um, both uh, maltster, barley grower, brewer, and so on, uh, got together and worked on two studies uh, with the University of Oregon. And what they were they were looking at that very question, you know, how much does barley variety affect beer flavor? And 
Um, <clears throat> let's let let's take a step back and and talk about what beer flavor is for a moment. Um, you know, you have your malt character, which is probably the dominant flavor in most beer styles. Um, but you also have your hop contributions and very, you know, very important flavor component in your IPAs and so on. Um, next, you have your yeast. Um, as we all know, you can have two completely different beers brewed from the same wort by pitching different yeast to them. Um, you know, recognizably different characters. And then you have the water character as well. Now, water is definitely a minor character in beer flavor, but still significant. Um, you can change the pH of the beer, and you can change the the, the uh, seasoning aspect of the beer, how malty versus how hoppy the uh, flavor accent uh, is based by changing the water. So, But that is a, a minor character compared to, say, the malt and the hops characters. Well, <clears throat> when it comes to malt, um, we are malting barley. And barley is actually a whole class uh, or uh, genome, uh, genus, I guess, of plants. Um, there are different varieties of barley. We mentioned uh, Maris Otter, Collages, Harrington, Golden Promise, Full Pint. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. And each of these varieties is adapted to a different growing region around the world. And uh, so, you know, what does it mean to be adapted? Well, we're talking about, you know, the climate. We're talking about the weather of a region. Um, whether we're talking about North America or South America or the United Kingdom or Europe, Germany, um, you know, anywhere you are, there, there's going to be a local variety of barley and, and other vegetables and plants as well, other agricultural products that are specifically adapted to grow well in that region. And one aspect of this are, you know, the the bugs in that region, you know, that prey upon uh, these plants. And so the different plants will have different resistances uh, to bugs and and other plant diseases uh, for a region. Because a lot of the, the work that they put into coming up with new varieties is focused around yield. So, yeah, agronomy um, and yield. Yeah, the, how well does it grow and how much does it produce? Exactly. And, uh, you know, protection against bugs, things like that. Yeah. Um, very important. And then flavor is kind of one of those things that, eh, you know... Uh, it's barley. It'll work. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, the maltster, you know, has a huge effect on that. But, you know, over over the years, everyone's always, uh, you know, come back to the fact that, boy, certain of these, uh, you know, traditional malt uh, cultivars are, are pretty fantastic. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves Maris Otter. And, you know, they want to to grow grow more of it. Why can't we grow more of it? You know, let's make every all beer out of Maris Otter. Well, <clears throat> that's where agronomy, you know, how well something grows and how much it yields is a factor. Um, likewise, uh, Maris Otter, you know, that's a UK variety. Um, it has it is adapted to growing in the in in New, in England. Um, 
And the English climate is, you know, a long, mild winter, uh, light snow. Um, and uh, these these older, you know, land race and, you know, older varieties, um, they have uh, the dormancy gene. And what is dormancy? Well, dormancy is um, a genetic trait that allows them to essentially wait for spring. So... You know, in the wild, the barley grows, the, the barley seeds are on the top of the stalk. And, you know, at the end of the year, the barley would lay down in the field and those seeds would lay there all winter. And you don't want, you know, a sudden warm spell to make them sprout. And then, you know, then another month of winter just kill it off. So this dormancy thing is a genetic trait that allows the seed to really wait for spring. It doesn't start sprouting for a period of, you know, some months, um, and you know, uh, before it's ready to start sprouting. So, um, dormancy has been bred out of North American varieties because we have a much different climate. Uh, we grow barley out west, where it's generally dry. Um, winters are very cold and actually have the potential to, you know, kill the, kill the barley seed by getting it too cold, you know, during the winter. So we generally plant spring varieties where they're not planted until spring. Um, and then as soon as they're planted, the, um, you know, the farmers want these, this, this barley to sprout and start growing. So they have a very short latency or dormancy uh, to them. And when it comes to making malt, um, again, Maris Otter, for example, has this dormancy period where after you harvest it in the fall, you've got to wait three to six months for the dormancy period to be over before it'll be capable of being malted. It won't absorb water until it's gone through that dormancy period. And the amount of dormancy depends. It's a genetic trait, so it depends on the variety that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, the, that's probably too much information on that. But that's one reason that um, here in North America we can't just plant Maris Otter or Barca or all these other European uh, low-protein barley varieties that everybody raves about their flavor. Um, compared to American malts. Well, that's why you need a good homebrew shop like uh, Great Fermentations. You're going to go in there and they're going to have, you know, a wide variety of malts and they're going to bring in the the great malts from Europe and the UK and, uh, you know, they're going to make sure that uh, you have access to all these wonderful ingredients. You can check them out at uh, greatfermentations.com on the web. They've got the largest catalog of Blickman products in the World Wide Web. And their staff is some of the most knowledgeable people in uh, Blickman products. So if you're if you're a fan of Blickman and you're using the gear, you got questions, they can answer them. Good people. They offer top-notch customer service, same-day shipping on many items, and um, just just good people. They know they're brewing, and they it's a clean quality stores. Uh, I've been there. I really I really like those places, and uh, you can. Like them as well on Facebook. Um, 
uh, at uh, GR8 Fermentation and the same on Instagram and Twitter. Just check them out at greatfermentations.com. All right, let's take a short break. And when we come back, uh, let's get more into that uh, protein aspect you, you were just uh, starting to allude to. We'll be back right after this. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we are able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch Do out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. 
back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, uh, barley, barley and protein, barley and protein, barley varieties. I tell you, you know who has good books on uh, a lot of the uh, malt is uh, the AHA. And right now, as a uh, listener to the Brewing Network, you can go and get uh, a great offer uh, to renew your membership or even get a new membership. It's uh, join the AHA or renew using the affiliate link on uh, the Brewing Network site. So you go to thebrewingnetwork.com, you see that giant AHA button, renewal button. You click on that, you use the offer code BNARMY17, BN army 17 and you're going to get two free books with your membership they're going to send you a copy of brewing local and a copy of for the love of hops all when you uh, renew your your uh membership or get a new membership through the brewing network.com so check it out today all right uh let's see yeah we're talking about proteins and the the barley varieties and i mean is that a big part of the flavor difference between these different cultivars john well, it can be. Um, the way protein interacts is kind of interesting. Um, in a nutshell, well, you have you know all these different varieties of barley from all over the world. And generally, North American varieties are a little higher in protein than European varieties. And I'm talking about a difference of, say, uh, 9 or 10% versus 11 or 12%. Not a huge difference, but a difference. And when it comes to protein, more protein in a barley means that that kernel is harder. It's glassier. And as a result, it's actually harder to hydrate when it's time to malt it. It doesn't take up water as quickly. Um, So it needs more time in the steeping tank to hit or to become fully hydrated. And when it comes to malting, uh, the steeping tank makes the malt, um, they say. The, you're, what you're doing is you're doing a series of steeps, um, getting the water, you know, filling the tank with water, getting the barley wet, draining the tank, letting the barley rest, uh, filling it again with new fresh water. And you're trying to get the barley to absorb about 45% of its weight in water. Um, Once you've done that, um, you've got the kernel fully hydrated and the enzymes can move around and homogeneously start modifying the endosperm, in other words, the starch reserve of that kernel. Um, If you... If you tried to germinate that barley at a lower percentage of moisture, say like at 27%, which is typically what you get after that first immersion, um, then it would still you would you would activate the embryo, and you know the enzymes would be active and they would start modifying the kernel, but they wouldn't be able to reach all areas of that seed, and so that kernel and therefore the whole batch would not. Uh, modify homogeneously and so you'd end up with uh, you know a, a low yielding malt um, it wouldn't give a whole lot of its you know total extract or ec- total weight as extract so um, 
you know, the malt, the steeping process in the tank is very crucial to getting a good, homogenous, high-yielding malt product. And every barley variety is going to have a different protein character, and, you know, both in terms of um, its total percentage by weight as well as the the types of proteins that are in that kernel that, you know, that differentiate how it modifies. For example, the Metcalf variety has slightly higher protein than, say, Copeland uh, barley, but it also has a higher diastatic power. Um, Copeland modifies faster because it's a little lower protein, but also has a little bit lower diastatic power than Metcalf. So um, these are some of the differences that the maltster has to work around when they you know malt a batch of bar- of barley a piece of barley um, and for this reason they never mix different barley varieties when they're malting it's always a single variety and hopefully uh, barley from the same region because there, there can be regional differences within a barley variety on how well it modifies mm-hmm mm-hmm so, um, yeah, this is, I guess this is uh, the science of malting, as it were. Right. You know, Which has a huge, when, huge impact on, on the flavor. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, what, what they're trying to do with steeping and, and germination is they're trying to simulate spring. They're trying, trying to get that barley to germinate and then, you know, release all the enzymes, get fully modified, and then they're going to stop that by drying the barley out stopping the enzyme action well and uh, i mean all this is interesting background uh but you know let's get back to uh the study and you know Ah, what did the study show as far as you know these malt varieties uh these 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 barley varieties uh having an impact on the flavor Okay. Well, you know, so what the what the study did, what the study was very interesting. They took two varieties of barley. One, um, Golden Promise, which is a spring UK variety, um, you know, for the United Kingdom, um, has a fairly low dormancy period. Um, and a Full Pint, which is a North American variety, also a spring variety, meant to be planted in the spring. And... Uh, then they so they took these two varieties and then they made 34 different genetic crosses with them now how do they do that well i i'm not sure whether it's a matter of going around the stamens with a pair of tweezers and a uh, and a q-tip or if they do it in a laboratory the genetic modification you know techniques but um you know, generally you create new barley varieties by breeding, by, mm-hmm. you know, uh, forced pollination uh, and so on. Well, and you wouldn't think you could get 34 different uh, crosses, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you'd think, well, you got one and one, you could get you know, one other type, which would be those two together. But I guess there's because it's a you know a natural process i guess uh you know there's there's variations in uh yeah. you know what kind of uh each time you do it it comes out a little differently just mm-hmm. like your kids right right okay yeah so, so they, they had 34 they, crosses 34 crosses the two parents and and then copeland as a control 
Yeah. And then they brewed 1032 Pilsner beers, or I should say Pilsner beers with the gravity of 1032 or mm-hmm. 8, 8 Plato, um, from these different barleys and fermented, you know, um, fermented them the same, the same, or they should say they malted all of these barleys with the same process, mm-hmm. which resulted in a real variety of malt modifications and so on Mm. Um, you know it was a single malting process applied to all so Mm -hmm. any genetic variation was then you know um, uh, exacerbated by uh, the malting process affecting it anyway so then they brew 1032 pilsner type type beers and then had all these beers tasted by a trained tasting panel with replicates Mm-hmm. Um, they also included Miller High Life as a control in the study, so they had, you know, they had a base beer that they could always, the tasters could always reference mm-hmm. um, in trying to decide what flavors they're picking up for as, from the malt character. Mm-hmm. Now, from the malt character, they uh, they broke down the malt character into, I guess, nine uh, different, uh, maybe ten different uh, flavors, cereal color i'm not sure if that's i think that's just supposed to be color as a visual as, a, as opposed to a flavor mm-hmm. uh, floral fruit grass sweet honey malt toasted and toffee so those are all the different uh, aspects of the malt character that they were looking at mm-hmm. when they when the panel did taste these beers. Well, now, did they use the just one yeast on all this, I assume, and it was, what, like a Pilsner yeah. yeast or something? Well, it was like, uh, actually, it was like a dry yeast. Um, hmm. So a, a Pilsner a Pilsner malt was made mm-hmm. out of all of these. In other words, a very low-kilned, mm-hmm. uh, low-color malt was made out of all these barley malts. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, they used a dry ale yeast um, mm-hmm. as a as the fermenter uh, for all of them. Well, and you know if it's all the same across all of them, you know that's fine for the study. But you know what I like to do is, you know, select your yeast in conjunction with your malt, your malt variety, the way it's malted, and then your yeast, and the yeast will either accentuate certain aspects of the of the uh, malt flavor or uh, subdue certain aspects. It gives you, you know, completely, you know, sometimes you think, wow, this tastes really, uh, you know, grainy, or this tastes really, uh, you know, toasty, or this tastes, you know, sweet or honey-like, or like all these flavors. It's because of the yeast accentuating a lot of those characters. Even with the same grain, uh, you get those those varieties because of the yeast. One of the things, uh, John, have you checked out the the vault at White Labs uh, recently? Oh yeah, always take a look at that. See what's cooking in there. Yeah, it's cool. They got all sorts of uh, interesting yeasts available, and um, you know, White Labs has so many thousands of different kinds of yeast that they can't offer them all you know year round. It's just uh, one of a kind stuff that, unless there's a market for it, they can't just make it and let it go bad. So what they've done is they've set up the vault. You go to whitelamps.com uh, slash the vault, and you're going to be able to place a pre-order on a strain you'd like to use. They've got uh, – they'll, they'll, they'll load in uh, you know a bunch of different things that they think might be interesting and make great beer. And um, 
as soon as uh, one of those uh, yeasts hits 150 orders, uh, White Labs will go ahead and uh, make the yeast and uh, ship it directly to your doorstep. And uh, pro brewers can get in on it, too, now. Uh, You can place a minimum order of a liter and a half through uh, yeastman.com or... Uh, by contacting their customer service, and you can get those specialty strains too. So um, it's kind of cool. I mean, if you're into uh, all these different different yeasts, uh, don't wait. Check it out. Uh, WhiteLabs.com/slash/the-vault, and you can you can jump in and get some uh, unusual yeasts that uh, some will accentuate the malt, some will accentuate the hops, some will be you know fruity, hazy, all sorts of stuff. Really cool stuff. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll finish up talking about uh, barley variety and its impact on beer flavor right after this. Brewing great beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, they're amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and a home brewer's answer book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift. When you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back we're talking about the uh the the tests that uh or the uh the study that they did the study on that they did on the, the barley variety so uh tell us more about uh okay. they were they were testing for or, or um uh their their Panel was uh, tasting cereal, color, floral fruit, grass, sweet, honey, malt, toasted, and toffee. Yeah, because they weren't really tasting so, color, but yeah. yeah. So that you know, as a as a tasting panel would, they they are tasting these beers, tasting these samples, and you know, scoring the kind of malt flavor that they were getting for each one, and then they took these these results 
and ran statistical analysis, ANOVA, for example, on you know these various uh, the genomic types, um, the region they they had planted uh, these varieties in three separate growing regions in Oregon, um, and so they were looking at you know uh, barley variety region protein um, other you know traits these these different barleys had uh, and seeing how that correlated to what the malt character was in the final beer and what they found um, basically uh, agrees with what maltsters have known that the big three um, impacts to the malting process are also the big three impacts in terms of barley variety flavor in the final beer. And those are barley variety, um, the protein level, and then as a distant third, the region in which that barley variety is grown. And um, now what's important to understand is that it's a trickle-down effect. The... The main factor for barley flavor, of course, is the kilning and roasting because there's where you generate, you know, strongly flavored Maillard reactions uh, when you're toasting and roasting the barley, the barley malt uh, to get that final malt color and so on. So um, that's the big determinant is uh, the kilning and roasting process. But the those three factors I mentioned, barley variety, protein level, and region, impact the how that barley modifies during the malting process. And the modification affects the Maillard reactions that are generated that are, you know, that occur during the kilning and roasting process. And that affects the beer flavor. So um, the the results of the study was that they were able to determine that uh, barley variety and region both have an impact on beer flavor, but these are um, secondary effects in terms of primary effects on, you know, versus primary effects on beer flavor, um, that uh, they do affect how the barley malts. And, um, and so their conclusion was that um, barley variety and barley flavor is uh, probably worth pursuing for a certain segment of the market, you know, like brewers, maltsters, and consumers. Um, for so, craft brewers mainly? Or? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, for people interested in, you know, the, this these nuances and mm-hmm. and leanings in flavor is this you know is this right. barley going to malt up as something that's you know grassy and cereally or is going to malt up as something that's more sweet and toasty mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of manipulation that's possible and they also determined that the genes that are responsible for flavor are separate from the genes that are responsible for malting performance in other words how easily that barley modifies during mm-hmm. the malting process. Mm-hmm. So uh, that makes, you know, that really enables, uh, you know, breeding for flavor while not hurting um, the malting performance. Because it's very uh, easy to gener- to take a barley that has great malting performance 
um, but grow it in a region that's not, you know, environmentally suited for it mm-hmm. and produce terrible malt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, again, you get the whole North American versus European, why we can't swap varieties. Well, part of that goes back to the whole uh, issue of yield. So a lot of these uh, varieties of, of uh, grains, they don't it's difficult to get somebody to grow it because people aren't willing to pay yeah. enough for it right and so uh you know there's just no money to be made so it's very difficult to get somebody to grow marisata or whatever it might be because the yield is not yeah bushels per acre right. they just they don't make as much money off of it but you know as craft brewers and home brewers if we um you know, keep showing the. I, I, I think it's you know home brewing and craft brewing that has kept something like Maris Otter alive, and yeah. uh, you know keeps keeps people planting it because there's it's, it's very difficult in in the the grand scheme of things when you can grow something that'll produce a lot more and sell it to the same people for you know uh, you know people that are looking for cost effective grains. Um, you know, it's just one of those things, but. Hopefully, and this will this will just raise awareness of your barley variety. Really does matter. Yeah, yeah, and and continuing to fund and look for you know interesting barley varieties that yield well, not mm-hmm. just something that solely yields well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Well, and uh, I'd like you also to uh, check out AdamandEve.com. I don't know, uh, Taylor. That's you're probably on there daily, yeah. Oh yeah. You gotta gotta keep your supplies. You got, no, totally. You yeah. know, it's just uh, professional professionals use right. Adam and Eve. Do you get like a professional discount, or do you use the offer code Jamel J A M I L at AdamandEve.com? Yeah, I use your code. Yeah, course. there you go. Because when you use offer code Jamel at AdamandEve.com upon checkout, you're going to get fifty percent off just about any one item. You're going to get three free adult DVDs, and you're going to get a free extra gift so sensual I can't tell you about it, and free shipping. So all you got to do is pay for half the price of one item. You're going to get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. That's all you're going to pay. It's a pretty sweet deal. And you can get that at adamandeve.com by using the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com today. All right. Uh, good show, John. Uh, real Thanks. interesting information. I think uh, uh, all of us learned something about uh, barley varieties and uh, how they impact the flavor. I Thank think you. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you enjoy this show and you want to hear more of it, I would suggest checking out our sponsors, especially Blickman Engineering. Send them a nice email at uh, feedback at Blickman Engineering. Tell them how much you appreciate this sponsor of the show. Great fermentations. You can email them as well. Just say, hey, thanks thanks a bunch for uh, sponsoring. Because when they hear back from you, they know that their money is actually getting them some sort of some sort of listeners. So uh, you want to keep this show going, I suggest you do that. You can also check out the Brewing Network store, brewingnetwork.com slash store. They have all sorts of goodies in there. Everything's on sale. I think everything's like 99% off right now. They're just giving everything away. Basically. Viva says basically. All right. Until then, everybody, uh, brew strong. Brew strong, everyone. <laughs>